0: Radio gag: The Gays Against Guns show.
1: Happy New Year, and welcome to the first Radio Gag: Gays Against Guns show of 2019 here on WBAI. I'm Virginia Vitzdoom, and I'm Trisha Cook.
2: This week, we'll talk about some of Gays Against Guns' priorities for the new year. On our to-do list: push Wells Fargo to stop funding the NRA and gun manufacturers.
1: Hold our new blue Congress to their promises of gun control
2: legislation. Keep the pressure on the government to fund the CDC to study gun violence as a public health threat. And what else? Oh yeah. Smash the patriarchy! Toxic masculinity and guns are a deadly combination. The obsession with Second Amendment, quote, freedom, is part of the American belief in a man's right to protect what's his, his property, his gun, his woman. In this show, we look at gun laws that could protect women from all this deadly, quote, freedom. We also call for a parallel vigilance against the misogyny and rape culture that lead to murder and also hurt women in subtler ways. Toxic masculinity is at the center of this week's In Memoriam. Dr. Tamara O'Neill was killed like so many others, by
1: a rejected man. On Monday, November 19th, Dr. Tamara O'Neill spotted her ex-fiancee in the parking lot of her workplace, Mercy Hospital in Chicago. She had recently broken off their engagement and was scared enough at the sight of him to call 911. The rejected ex had a concealed carry permit and a history of domestic violence. He demanded his engagement ring back, they argued, and he shot Dr. O'Neill six times. He then ran into the hospital and killed pharmacy student Dana Less and police officer Samuel Jimenez, both in their 20s. He was shot by police and then killed himself. Dr. O'Neill was 38 years old when she died. Every gun death ripples out, and Dr. O'Neill's loss will be felt not only by her friends and family, but also her church and her patients. On the morning of November 19th, Craig Elliott took his son into the emergency room, for an asthma attack. Dr. O'Neill took care of them. Elliot told the Chicago Sun Times, quote, She was great, and honestly, to see a young sister doctor, it put a smile on my face. Elliot was so pleased to get the care of a black doctor that he posted pictures of Dr. O'Neill with his son on Facebook. He was confused, quote, when my phone started blowing up later that day. Dr. O'Neill had been a resident at Mercy for two years. Patrick Connor, chairman and director of the emergency department there, said O'Neill often stayed after her shift ended to make sure her patients were taken care of. She kept her Sundays free for church, however, where she worked with at-risk youth and led the choir. Quote, that was her one thing she wanted, to be able to go to church on Sunday, Connor said, choking up. Addressing his late colleague, he added, we'll make sure you go to church on Sunday.
2: Thank you, Virginia. One way we can keep women safe from their violent partners is to close the boyfriend loophole in the domestic violence offender gun ban. The federal ban was a progressive step forward when it was passed in 1996. It bans shipment, transport, possession, ownership, and use of guns or ammunition by people convicted of domestic violence. But there's a gaping hole. It only applies to spouses and live-in partners. This leaves boyfriends and stalkers free to purchase firearms even if they've been convicted of domestic abuse. Two bills have been written, the Protecting Domestic Violence and Stalking Victims Act, sponsored by Amy Klobuchar in the Senate, and the Zero Tolerance for Domestic Abusers Act, sponsored by Debbie Dingell and Robert Dold in the House. The bills would update the law to encompass abusive dating partners and convicted stalkers. Both still await to vote. Not enough can be said about the importance of closing this loophole. In 2015, 93% of women murdered by men were killed by a man they knew. And to have the greatest effect, these bills need to do more than ban firearm purchases by abusers. They also need to require that abusers surrender the guns they already own. In states that only banned gun purchases by abusers, the homicide rate did not drop significantly. But in states that require offenders to surrender the guns they own, the rate of gun-related homicides drops by 14%. So let's make the
1: law more meaningful. Indeed. And domestic violence is such a precursor for mass shootings. Shannon Frateroli of the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health puts it, we know that violence is the best predictor of future violence. It's much more of a correlation than mental illness. More than half of mass shootings, defined as a shooting in which at least four people are killed with a gun, involve a current or former intimate partner or a family member. 81% of the victims of mass shootings are women and children. Mm -hmm. This is a gun problem with tangible solutions like closing the boyfriend loophole. Also, extreme risk protection order, or ERPO laws, which we talk about later. But men murdering women who try to leave them is also a toxic masculinity problem. Toxic masculinity takes other forms that are not lethal, but still crush women's spirits and opportunities. We keep thinking we're edging toward equality, and then we have a year like 2018, a year in which Republican senators watched Dr. Christine Blasey Ford describe how Brett Kavanaugh humiliated, terrified, and tried to rape her. Then they called her credible, and then they appointed him anyway. 2018 was also the year, of course, where men started to actually suffer consequences for abuse and harassment, which is good. But as the Me Too stories kept coming out, it sometimes felt like looking underneath a rock and seeing a teeming mass of creeps far bigger than you realized. Reading all those stories, I was struck with how these rich, powerful men over and over showed a shocking entitlement to do whatever they wanted to the women they worked with, much as batterers feel entitled to hurt or kill their woman. I was also struck by how many of them make the media that we all consume, including those perpetrating the domestic violence. If you think about it, a serial abuser, Harvey Weinstein, was the arbiter of middle-brow culture in the U.S. for decades. These are supposedly progressive movies, but you look at them and they still mostly feature men as the hero and the girl as the victor's spoils. So how are we gonna smash the patriarchy? Women must continue to run for and win office. Let's
2: create media that exposes misogyny and shows better ways to live.
1: Let's run companies where men cannot harass women, interrupt them, or take credit for their ideas.
2: Let's hold companies accountable when they protect their powerful, predatory employees.
1: Let's throw out gender altogether. It's really only ever served straight, cis men. But far easier than any of these. Let's keep guns away from men who hurt women. And if I can bring it back to Dr. O'Neill, you take that encounter. No gun in the jilted man's hand makes that encounter between Dr. O'Neill and her ex merely uncomfortable. Demanding his ring back, this man was relinquishing his woman, feeling robbed. That his disappointed rage led to the slaughter of Dr. O'Neill and two others is only due to weak gun laws. Dr. O'Neill's father, Tom O'Neill, told the Chicago Sun-Times, She broke it off a few months back, and he wouldn't let it go. He couldn't let go, and he took her away from us. Here are more items
2: for Gays Against Gun's to-do list in 2019.
1: Hi, I am Sean Stefanik.
0: I'm with GAG, and something I would definitely like to see, as I know we all would like to see, is the decline of the NRA, and certainly that won't happen overnight, but if we could... Get something started that would be enough for now.
3: So, my name is Ken Kidd. I'm an organizer with Gays Against Guns. We are targeting Wells Fargo Bank, and there are very good, very simple reasons for it. Number one, from the exact month of the Sandy Hook massacre until September of 2017, Wells Fargo funded the gun industry and the gun lobby to the tune of $431.1 million. Then again, in October of 2018 alone, Wells Fargo gave a line of credit of $40 million to Sturm Ruger, manufacturers of assault weapons. This is after Wells Fargo was urged by the American Federation of Teachers to distance themselves, or at least insist that their gun lendees do some gun-related actions to to make their products safer, or else the AFT would take away their mortgage business. Wells Fargo decided that in a choice between teachers and guns in an environment where we have school massacres on a weekly basis nearly that they would side with the guns. This is unacceptable. America needs to know about it. Folks who have a Wells Fargo credit card need to know that their APR funds the NRA. And we are going to do everything with our power to make sure that folks know that and that they act accordingly. Our plan of action is to target one constituency in the consumer base every month and because we are gays against guns and because this is the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Rebellion and Prides happen all over the country in June in January we're going to be contacting all of the LGBTQ pride organizations and all the LGBT centers to encourage them to find out about what their relationship with Wells Fargo is and get them to drop Wells Fargo immediately.
2: Hi, my name is Sunny Moon You know, when I was first getting involved in gun violence prevention, there weren't that many groups. Now we have Moms Demand Action, and we even have Gays Against Guns and all these other groups. And I think the importance of groups like Gays Against Guns is that if you are somebody who wants to do more direct action, we have a group for you. And I think that uh, groups like Gays Against Guns and other groups are also important in the culture shift. Because it's not just about laws, but the gun culture in America and making gun control be a cool topic and something that people care about as part of like our everyday culture in terms of stopping gun violence and I think that that's something that I'll continue to look forward to is how America changes culturally as well as politically.
0: What I'd really like to see happen in 2019 is that the momentum that has started this year with the Parkland students, with the road to change, I would love to see that continue when the parkland students hit the road they would travel from town to town and in each city that they visited on this nationwide tour of i think maybe 60 cities they would pick up people from the local communities young activists who joined their tour and were given a platform to speak we were down uh, in dc in august uh, with the Road to Change folks. And we saw these incredible impassioned speeches by 14, 15, 16 year old students, young adults, uh, who made the most incredible speeches. And you're just blown away by their passion, by their smarts, by their dedication, by their anger, their righteousness, incredible what i think is really important that this thing did is that it gave a platform to people who aren't used to being given a platform to speak so you've got hundreds or thousands of people listening to 14 year old kids speak about what's wrong with gun violence you know and what needs to change and how it impacts their communities so that's what i want to see more of in 2019 i want to see you know young people bringing each other along and showing us older folks how it's done Hi, my name is Shep, I'm a member of New York Gag, and my wish for the new year is that we have more gag chapters throughout the United States. Usually they form when there's a massacre in the city, but I'd like to see them form before these massacres happen, in major cities where gays against guns, where there are major, major gay populations, because uh, we, uh, we do joint actions with uh, D.C. because they're close, and it would be good if we had more uh, sister gags all over the country. I'm J.W. Walker. I am an organizer for Gays Against Guns. I'm really excited that we'll have the opportunity to have a democratically controlled House of Representatives that we as activists can play against the still Republican-controlled Senate, um, that we can uh, sort of hold the senators' feet to the fire when the folks in the House want to move legislation uh, that they've already passed. Um, It'll be a really new and interesting dynamic uh, GAGA is planning on going down to D.C. on February 14th. That's going to be right in the thick of when the House of Representatives is going to be moving some of, some or, all of these bills forward. Uh, so we hope to work with them to, um, to help raise the awareness of the bills and to put some pressure on the Senate and the guy in the Oval.
2: Uh, 2019, I'm looking forward to holding all of the people we got elected to their promises and to making sure that they're going to step up and uh, fulfill all of their uh, responsibilities as legislatures, as executives, so that they're actually going to pass the gun control. They're actually going to do something about the Dickey Amendment, the CDC Uh, investigations and uh, research so really I'm looking forward to holding all of those representatives accountable and making sure that they do their job because we sure as hell are doing
1: ours. Data released this month by the Centers for Disease Control reveal that 39,773 people were killed by a gun in the US in 2017. That's the highest number of gun deaths since 1979 when the CDC started keeping track. 23,854 of those deaths were suicides by gun. White men were the most likely to kill themselves and black men were the most likely to be murdered. Anything that kills almost 40,000 Americans a year is generally called an epidemic and studied so it can be cured or at least slowed. But the CDC has gotten no funding to study gun deaths and injuries as a public health issue for more than 20 years. The Dickey Amendment, stuck into a funding bill in 1996, says, quote, none of the funds made available in this title may be used in whole or in part to advocate or promote gun control, end quote. In other words, feel free to study gun violence, but we're not giving you any money to do it.
4: Hi, I'm Kathy Marino-Thomas. I'm one of the organizers with Gays Against Guns. I think that doctors have a lot to say about the issue of gun violence. I mean, they're taking care of the person. When they get shot and they come into the hospital, they're the people that see what the actual wound is and what a gun actually does to the body. You know, I never really understood why it's not asked on a medical form. You know, when you first go into a doctor and they give you like that, you know, eight or nine pages of stuff to fill out. I think that you know, along with have you ever had a mental illness? Have you ever smoked? Have you know? How's your eyesight? How's your hearing? Do you own a gun? I don't understand why it's not on those forms. I think it makes total sense for it to be part of the screening process, part of the you know introduction that your doctor uh, has you fill out, so that they could know what's going on in your life. It would make such a an impact. I think that simple thing.
2: Has the NRA been resistant to that? Have
4: they, uh, or well, they say that doctors have no place in this issue. They just made a, a, really, uh, a really loud and blanket statement to that effect. And, you know, doctors will, you know, should, I wish that they would start um, publicizing some photos of what they see that comes into the emergency room. And I think if people could actually, you know, see what uh, a bullet coming through flesh and bone does, maybe that would make a difference.
1: Come January, Democrats control the House. Representative Frank Pallone, Jr., Democrat of New Jersey, will probably be chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Committee next year. He said he wants to introduce a bill to finally fund the CDC to study gun violence. Pallone also helps to push a bill mandating the Surgeon General present a yearly report on gun violence as a public health issue. It's important to frame the problem as a health issue and not as a freedom or Second Amendment issue. Nancy Pelosi has announced a universal background check law, which Gagger John Grauweiler elaborated on for us. John?
5: I'm thankful for the pending bipartisan background checks bill that Mike Thompson and Peter King have developed. According to sources, and by that I mean sort of Mother Jones, or recently in The Guardian, this bill will have teeth as opposed to the Manchin Me bill of 2013, which was. Uh, very weak and toothless. Uh, so, this bill will make sure that the, the gun show loophole is tightened. It won't have the concession of reducing wait time, background checks time to 48 hours, which the mentioned 2 me bill had. It will also uh, require that um, all sales uh, between friends and family be sort of documented. So, this bill has the potential to really prevent guns getting into the wrong hands. Thompson is, is committed to uh, introducing this in the next session, and Peter King has stated that he, in fact, will sign on. This, incidentally, is legislation they developed about four or five years ago, but has uh, languished because the uh, control was not in the hands of the Dems, but the Republicans, so they knew it was just pointless to actually pursue this particular bill.
0: Another wish is that bump stocks really do get outlawed. I mean, they've got, they've got some deadlines for people to turn them in, and I just don't know if it's going to happen.
1: Thank you, Chris Chapman. She's referring to the federal regulation officially banning bump stocks. People who own bump stocks, a device that makes a semi-automatic weapon shoot faster, have 90 days to turn theirs in from the December 21st regulation. That means by March 26, 2019, bump stocks should be gone. Also on our wish list, an assault weapons ban. A federal extreme risk protection law, so people close to a gun owner or law enforcement can get a judge to take away the guns of someone who's exhibiting danger signs. The Parkland shooter, among others, was scaring his classmates long before he massacred 14 of them and three staff members. Thirteen states have these extreme risk protection or ERPO laws now. Of course, anything the House introduces has to pass the Republican-controlled Senate, but there's reason for hope. The NRA's stranglehold on our elected officials may be weakening. Many of the new Democrats from conservative districts advocated gun control measures and still managed to get elected.
3: Uh, Hi, I'm Jake Tolan. One thing that I am really hoping for, now that we have a blue house, which maybe other people aren't asking for, is I would love a gun buyback program. I think that would be one of the most beneficial ways to get guns off the streets and would also boost the economy, and would also not contribute to a corrupt criminal justice system. The point is, uh, you know, you encourage people to do this gun buyback program because a lot of people just have a bunch of guns around their house, basically, that they aren't using anymore, and additionally, people who don't have a lot of money to begin with, um, it just puts a little more money into their pockets, and then they go and they spend it on something that supports the economy generally, while at the same time making our communities safer.
1: Great idea, Jake. Activism works different ways. We educate ourselves, we set priorities, we figure out how to push for the things we want, and that we know are possible because other countries have a fraction of the gun deaths of the United States. The United
2: States has dragged its feet when it comes to meaningful gun legislation. Despite averaging seven mass shootings a week, our country continues to value the abstract right to own a murder weapon higher than human life. With less than 5% of the world's population, the U.S. has 35 to 50% of the world's civilian-owned guns. America's lack of gun control looks even more egregious when compared to firearms legislation in other countries. The National Agreement on Firearms in Australia was passed over 20 years ago, in 1996, after a gunman entered a cafe in Port Arthur and gunned down 35 people with a semi-automatic rifle. The National Agreement virtually prohibits automatic and semi-automatic assault rifles and requires people who want to be licensed as gun owners to take a gun safety course and to demonstrate a, quote, genuine need for a specific type of gun. The UK similarly stepped up gun control after its own tragedy in 1996, passing a bill that banned handguns after a shooting that involved four handguns and 16 school children dead. These types of tragedies virtually never happen in a country like Japan, where possession of firearms is highly regulated. According to Japanese law, the only guns that civilians are permitted to own are shotguns, air guns, and guns for specific use in research or competitions and a person must pass a series of mental health and drug tests, as well as undergo a thorough background check before they can get their hands on a gun. Accordingly, Japan's gun homicide rate is the lowest in the world, at 1 in 10 million. Canada, like Japan, takes a highly cautious approach to gun licensing. There are mandatory training courses and a month-long waiting period for anybody who wishes to purchase a firearm. Here's Canadian resident and gagger Stuart Borden to give us his perspective.
0: Hi, my name's Stuart,
2: and in Canada, it's, uh, it's much more difficult to get a gun, but you can get one.
3: But uh, there's a, a waiting period, you have to get a license, you have to pass a test, uh, uh, and the background checks are real. Like, they're really done by RCMP officers that come and they actually phone your ex to see what type of person you are like, so it's much more
0: in-depth. But I think the real difference is that we don't have the sort of
2: military gun culture Uh, And so, therefore, gun ownership is just not a thing that people strive for in Canada.
1: That's it for our to-do list show. Tricia, what all are we doing again?
2: Well, we're getting the CDC funded, forcing Wells Fargo to stop lending to merchants of death, forcing Congress to obey the people and not the lobbyists.
1: Don't forget, smash the patriarchy and bring the U.S. in line with civilized countries where people don't run around killing 104 other people every day with a gun. Damn straight.
2: We could probably use some help, so if you're listening, please come join us. Find out about our meetings and actions at gazeagainstguns.net or on our Facebook page. And while you're out there on the World Wide Web, go to WBAI.org and become a WBAI buddy. It's fast and easy, and really important to continue progressive, interesting programming that you can't find anywhere else. So please, uh, if you have a minute, go to WBAI.org and donate now. And last, but certainly not least, here's Sing Out Louise to help us ring in the new year with their to-do list.
4: On
0: the twelfth day of Christmas, what I would like to see No more Orlandos, no Virginia Techs, no Squirrel Hills, no more Auroras, no Charlestons, no Sanding Hooks, no Las Vegas, an assault weapons ban. Better no buy lists, basic background checks, no gun show loopholes, and a waiting period for Christ's sake.